You are listening to Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour, a podcast released on the first three Wednesdays of the month. Family crisis, relationship crisis, addiction crisis, no two crisis situations are the same. They vary by family, individual, and relationship. They can encompass complex family dynamics, emotional distress, anger issues, and entitlements, and often involve substance abuse. This podcast addresses these issues and others surrounding the addiction epidemic currently plaguing this country and the world. There is hope and help. Are you stuck, scared, or unsure of what to do next? If a situation with a loved one, spouse, or even a child has started to spiral, possibly becoming dangerous or threatening, it's time to seek help. My name is Scott H. Silverman. I help families navigate crisis situations. I'm the person you turn to in order to get you and your loved ones unstuck. Okay, welcome back to the show. This is Michael Glenn Moore. I'm Scott's co-host for Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour. Scott, we have been rocking and rolling with the interviews, and today we've got another exceptional guest. Why don't you introduce yourself, Scott, and then introduce our guest. Thanks, Michael. Anyway, I want to welcome everyone to Happy Hour. Why is it called Happy Hour? Because uh, first of all, it's only 30 minutes. and <laughs> Second of all, we try to bring happiness as much as we can and talk about the things that you know are special to my heart and Michael's. And then, of course, the guests that we bring on, we want them to also share with us what's on their heart as well. So if you haven't had a chance and we haven't spoken you know, we're right now towards the end of May going into June uh, of one of the most unusual calendar years in my lifetime. And I just want to encourage people, if you need or want to talk, you can certainly always reach me at 619-993-2738. 619-993-2738. You can text me, you can uh, call me, or just go on to my website, yourcrisiscoach.com or confidentialrecovery.com and find a way to get the message to us and we'll do everything we can to be of support to help you with you and your loved ones. So our guest today is what I would call, one, you know, she's one of San Diego's greatest leaders, but she's also one of San Diego's biggest heroes. And I say that not because I want or need anything from her, which I always do, but because she is relentless. She is a mom. Um, she is one of our county supervisors. She works uh, 11 days a week and she has a 47 hour day and she does it all. And she does it generally with a smile on her face. And she does it in a way that when you're in a room with her, you know, something positive is going to happen. You know that if she puts her hand up and says, I'm going to get it done, it's going to get done. Maybe not your way, maybe not her way but the way it needs to get done. So without further ado, our county supervisor, my good buddy, Kristen Gaspar. How are you, Kristen? Oh, that was the sweetest interjection anyone's ever done for me. You got me all choked up. Well, it's my show. I can make up whatever I want. You know, <laughs> I told you that before. It's really it's, great. It's all, I'm you know, it's, myself it, now. It, it's all, you know, it's all true. And I didn't have to make any of it up. You know what? I didn't even have to write it down because it's on my heart. And, you know, and I, and I've shared this with you, you know, how I feel about you and the work you do. And not because you're a county supervisor not because you're a mom and a wife, um, but because, you, you know, you walk your walk and you talk your talk. And to be in politics today and say that someone truly does that and, you know, I can't say enough about you, but anyway, but today we're here to talk about you and what's going on in your world. So would you just, just 
quickly, kind of give people a quick snapshot of who you are. And then the second question I have for you is, we're in San Diego, California, you know, a little over 3.3 million total people, population in our community. And we have a county and we have a city. Could, could you uh, first tell us a little bit about who you are and your role, you know, and then second part of that would be the difference between what a county supervisor does versus, say, a city council person and how that's different in our community. Because some communities do have it, some don't. And I think a lot of people in San Diego, they don't understand when you hear about county health care or you hear about city ordinances, what's the difference? So just a quick uh, story about you and then a quick snapshot on, on the difference between your, your leadership role and what the county does versus, say, the mayor and the city council, if you don't mind. Well, sure, Scott. I was blessed to grow up in San Diego, and I've always felt uh, very lucky to have done so. My mom was a single parent. She had to work really hard. She wanted to pick a place to live where we had access to great public schools, and we lived in a safe community. So I'm forever grateful to my mom because she moved us to San Diego at a very young age, and it took a village to raise us kids, and I always felt very committed to giving back to the community that helped raise me, and of course, to honor my mom as well. So I was always committed to volunteering in some way, but certainly needed to uh, first establish some sort of, of success for myself. So I grew a business alongside my husband. We started out in 750 square feet of space with a physical therapy practice. And today we're really proud small business owners of seven offices. And we're working really hard to keep 150 employees on payroll right now and losing sleep over, you know, the same cash on hand game that so many of our small businesses are going through in this pandemic. How long can we keep people on payroll? How long can we keep them on medical insurance as well? And then, of course, the, the greatest blessing of my life is being a mom and raising a family here in the community. So I used to serve a lot through Rotary, other nonprofits locally, and I got this idea that I could tie all of my worlds together and run for city council. So I served as the city's first elected mayor in Encinitas before I ran for county supervisor. Most of us didn't know anything about the County Board of Supervisors 62 days ago when this pandemic started. But now they see our faces because the five county supervisors are in charge of protecting public health. And it's our responsibility to actually oversee the entire pandemic response. So no small role right now in that regard. In terms of the difference between a city council member and a supervisor, you think about it, a city council member is keeping the bones of that city strong, the infrastructure, strong public safety, our focus on the County Board of Supervisors is making sure that the people in our community are strong. We are the pass-through agency for all of your state and federal safety net programs as well. So we have a pretty big role. I have 650,000 constituents just under my watch, but between the five supervisors, we're making sure that people are safe, the 3.3 million people who call San Diego home. Well, that, that, and that, so I guess I was pretty accurate when I said you work a 14-day week and you work, uh, you know, 37 hours a day. That's, that's phenomenal, <laughs> you know, and, and I thank you for your service because I know um, it's funny when I, whenever I see your photos on Facebook, you're, you're never taking time to yourself except periodically with a walk with your dog. And, we're, you know, I, I tried to get you on video today and you said you just finished a run. So to be able to squeeze all that in and it's, you know, it's still midday on a Saturday. Good for you. So. I know you've been pretty involved with youth sports because we see that all the time, not on your newsletter, but also on your social media. And that's important um, 
and, and as somebody who works so hard to be, be, to be involved, stay involved, and getting kids back on the field, tell us about uh, your, your Game On initiative. What is that about? Well, the Game On initiative came from the response to this pandemic and the need to get our young people back active. Uh, we've been on the shutdown orders for 62 days in the San Diego region. And sometimes we forget about our young people and the impact that, that this is having on all of them. Sadly, in the North County, we lost two high school seniors to suicide in this pandemic. And the longer the stay-at-home order has been in place, the more concerned I've grown about our young people. I've coached Pop Warner sports for the past eight years, and we've been taking a lot of time as adults coming up with plans on how we can expand hospital capacity. We've been planning for our business community, our faith-based community, but there was one big piece that was left out, and that was the planning for our young people. Overnight, they lost their social circles. They lost the sports that they love, and here in San Diego, we're fortunate to have literally hundreds of leagues and thousands of young athletes. And our goal at this point is to get our kids moving again. So the Game On initiative was an effort to draw together all of our sports league um, experts in one room and create a safety protocol that will allow our kids to safely return to play. It's not gonna look the same right away, but at least it will allow our young kids to start moving again. So I'm very hopeful that this protocol that we've developed in conjunction with 215 sports leagues locally will give us the governor's permission to start getting kids back together in groups of 12 and safely exercising again. This will really help with their mental health as well. That, that's great. You know, on the flip side of that, think about it. You know, if you're a kid today, all right, and you've got one day you've got this full schedule you know, even if it's not maybe what you want between homework, school and activities and friends, and all of a sudden that gets turned off for you and you're homebound. I mean, I can't even imagine being in a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old's mind right now, what they're thinking, you know, mom, dad, 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 mom, mom, you know, they're all home and so am I. It's like, oh my God. And no goodbyes, you know, no end of the year, no signing of yearbooks, no summer vacation, no graduations, no proms. It's really sad. And think of the young athletes that lost their final season. Those kids, most kids won't touch the field again in college and beyond. So the impact is great. And I think we need to spend some time thinking about our young people. And the very least we can do is not miss more sports seasons by sitting around waiting for things to open up and then have the sports be an afterthought. We can do a lot of work in this downtime and we can figure out a way to safely return these kids. Yeah, and hopefully with a with a smile on their face, because, you know, I, I know as a kid growing up, if I was going through this, the resentment I would have for what's going on and taking it personally and not being able to do what I want to do. And, you know, when you can't get out and run around, which is one of the best, you know, physical releases, I mean, you, you know more about it than I do. So, well, hey, so- we've had kids show up in my house. They literally ran away. They, they left a message for their parents and said, hey, I, I'm going to the gas bars. They just want to see their friend. It's so right. sad. You know, they're just up against a lot of stress at this point in time. And who would have thought this would be lasting so long? Originally, it was a two-week plan, and that's morphed into over a two-month plan. So anything we can do to help restore some recreation opportunities would go a long way. So along with that thinking, what is your thinking about the new normal, or will we get back to an old normal, or will we have a new abnormal? So what is your 
you know, and you, you've obviously been immersed from a variety of different fronts. So what is your thinking right now for people that are listening from your perspective of what the new normal, new abnormal might look like? What do you think it's going to look like the next, let's call it next 90 days or six months through the end of 2020 from your perspective? I reject the notion that this is the new normal. There's nothing normal about what we're doing today. There's nothing normal about hanging out in your small family pod, not being able to interact with others, not being able to give somebody a hug wearing a mask everywhere you go, that's not normal. I'm willing to accept that there's a temporary new normal and there's a phase we need to get through to protect the vulnerable and to keep us all safe. But this is not the new normal for me. And I'm gonna work really hard to make sure that our community is safe, but at the same time that we phase out of this pandemic as well. So through, through the end of the year, you could see some of these things still in place. But after that, we have to think long and hard about whether it's sustainable to stand six feet, of far, feet apart forever, to have signage clutter everywhere we go telling us what to do, whether it's reasonable to have your face covered forever. I mean, it just for me, it's not. I don't want to do this one more minute, one more hour, one more day, longer than is necessary to protect our community. What percentage of the community do you think thinks the way you think? You know what, when I speak up and I, I post things on Facebook about my concern for the mental well-being of our community as well, it's really surprising how many people uh, communicate with me, whether they communicate on that post or they email me or they call me. All day long, I field calls from people who are really suffering. We have to think about all of the unintended consequences of this shutdown stay-at-home order. We have people that are struggling to maintain their sobriety that call me. We have business owners who have built their business. Uh, most recently, I spoke to the Pancake House owner. He's been in business since 1949. He cried with me saying that he will lose everything if he can't get his doors open in the next week or so. And it's really sad to hear these stories. And I understand where people are coming from because these are the same things that I'm going through. I see this from all the vantage points. For those parents out there who are failing as a teacher, I'm one of them. Turns out I was never intended to be my kid's teacher, that's for sure. So the virtual schooling for my family is not working out very well. And as soon as you mention it, you become a real person. People communicate with me all day saying, I, I'm with you on that, this is not going well. We need to get our kids back to the school. And so you live in this bubble where on Facebook, everything's going well for everyone, but at the end of the day, it's not. And people are really having a tough time out there. And we have to be able to walk in other people's shoes. Not everyone is experiencing this pandemic the same way. So don't assume everybody's okay because people reach out to me on a daily basis telling me they're not. So the best thing we can do is reach out to another person that you haven't heard from in a while and make sure they're okay and talk to them about their experience going through this. You know, I'd love to talk to somebody who's doing okay. I haven't really found that person yet because you're, you know, if you're living in the community, you know, you're impacted by this one way or another, even if it, you know, everything's going perfect at home and you don't have to work and you're retired, but your favorite restaurant, your services, your wraparounds, your gym, whatever you want to call it that you love to do, you're no longer able to do it right now. So I, I, I find it hard to believe that there isn't someone out there. There is someone out there that's Scott, just going. we have 450,000 people in San Diego unemployed. Our unemployment rate is higher than most places in the country. Overnight, 
we went from 400,000 food insecure San Diegans, people that don't know where their next meal is coming from, to 600,000 food insecure San Diegans. We're only seeing the very surface of this impact because think about all of the relief measures. They were in place to give you 60 days eviction uh, moratorium. Uh, some of our mortgage companies let you wait to make your payments. But now all of those bills are coming due and people are discovering that for the most part, these robust relief measures didn't hit their bank accounts the way that they thought they would. Mm -hmm. And now they're really panicking, thinking, I've got to get back to work. And all work is sanctified. Just showing up and being needed in your community is really important for mental well-being. And guess what also fights virus as well? If you're mentally well and you're physically well, so people are suffering and we're going to continue to see an increase into our safety net programs over the next 18 months. We're in it for the long haul with our community to recover from this pandemic. I think that we can. I see the community coming together now. We're going to come out stronger and more resilient. It's just a question of, a question of when and how long it will take us to do so. I think that's a that's a great summary. And I think I heard the other day that 40% of our workforce is unemployed right now. They're just out of work, whether they're furloughed, laid off, jobs gone, unemployed. But right. 40% was the figure I heard. And your number, you know, it just sounds, you know, when you put it together, it, it sounds about right. But that is significant when you look, you know, and we're, we're a, what, a hospitality-based community. And, you know, exactly. we, we, we serve people traveling from all over the world. And right now, people are not moving around. So to your point, the ripple effect, you know, I heard yesterday um, that Nordstrom has told all of their vendors they're not paying for their, their goods. They don't have the resources right now and they can't borrow, either they can't borrow the money, whatever the reason is. And, you know, they're a huge retail giant. When you hear yep. huge retail giants, can't think about all the people in that food chain that are going to be impacted by that. Well, you so, think, you know, I've talked to a lot of our big um, companies that have been around a long time in San Diego in the hospitality industry and the restaurant industry, and they are so worried about their businesses. If they're worried, the mom and pop restaurants don't stand a chance. My aunt and uncle finally had to close their doors, their restaurant in Huntington Beach area after over 36 years in business. So we're going to see a lot of this in the community, a number of, of vacancies in our shopping centers. And, you know, with that goes our sales tax base. Our economy has been devastated here in San Diego. And guess what funds public safety, what fills all the potholes, that strong sales tax base and property tax base. And so we're only beginning to see the consequences of things at the county level. We've spent a half billion dollars on the response effort alone. Our sales tax revenue is behind about 300 million at this point. And that's the county of San Diego. So our municipal governments are going to experience something very similar too. Yeah. And I, you know, you've got that, that kind of that paradigm where you've got the individual who's, you know, can't, they're like, they're sitting at the curb, you know, in the, in the three point position to take off on a big race to get to their favorite resource uh, or excitement of the, wherever place they love to go and enjoy with their family. Then you've got others who are going, I'm not going out in the world because I'm too scared or I'm too concerned or I don't want to catch it. So then you've got the businesses who had to have to adhere to all the different, you know, CDC parameters with the social distancing. And then well, the forecast is that they're going to have 25% of the business, assuming everyone wants to go out and, you know, support their own businesses that they've always done in the past. So it'll be interesting and scary at the same time to see as things unroll. So let me jump to a, a place that's really passionate for me, and I know you and I've worked a lot on this, and 
you know, you have a, a fierce advocacy for helping vulnerable populations and those struggling with substance abuse. And, you know, that's, that's what I get up in the morning for. Are you worried personally about what effect the COVID is going to have on these populations? Deeply worried. And these are individuals that are calling me right now because, you know, contrary to everything that you should be doing to maintain your sobriety is be isolated, be at home, out of people's eyes, out of that connection with the world. And this has gone on a really long time. So I've, I've heard so many stories of people that are just struggling to maintain their sobriety. And it scares me a lot. It scares me to, to see what's happening on the streets of, of San Diego, too. There was no plan in North County for the unsheltered homeless that are struggling with substance abuse issues as well. And now it's like very visible that there are people suffering in our community. We have to do something. You know, I'm really proud of the recovery community. They've tried to make as many opportunities virtual during this time, but it's not the same. No. You know, and, and we're all in this together is the mantra, but we're not really all in this together because there are some people that are suffering a lot more than others. So I'm very worried about our recovery community through this and we'll do everything I can to expand opportunities now and into the future for those who need help the most at this difficult time. And then, you know me, I want to drink from a fire hose and I'm available seven days a week. And I just, I was on the uh, prescription drug abuse task force webinar yesterday and overdoses from fentanyl are up. And, you know, Dr. Uh, Lev was on talking about how every shift she works <clears throat> as an emergency doctor, they're seeing a fentanyl overdose coming in now. So, and unfortunately it's not making the news right now. And I understand there's other issues that are, you know, a, a lot more important to the global part of the community, but, you know, methamphetamine is on the rise. Um, uh, Domestic violence is, is, is significantly on the rise. Child abuse is up. You know, people are sitting at home and, and, and they don't have the coping mechanisms. You know, well, we're, Scott, we're here's seeing... a scary statistic. Some people were thinking it was good news that calls to our child abuse hotline are down 50% right now. Not at and all. that terrifies me. Child abuse hasn't gone away. Nope. We have so many kids that are in unsafe environments right now. Think about those kids and what they're going through. And all of the, the activities where we'd ordinarily see these kids when they go to school, for example, they're not being seen at all. So it's very concerning and the same thing we're seeing uh, with abuse overall. Uh, it's, it's definitely has not gone away. We're losing people on a daily basis due to overdose. Uh, homelessness, we lose people on a daily basis too. And nobody's talking about all of those things. I get that it's overshadowed right now, but we better start talking about those things soon. Well, and you know, with early releases in jails and prison right now, you've got a new, new population coming back to the community with no resources who uh, have been in lockdown for months and you know, they're jonesing and detoxing and they're, you know, they're yeah. ready to rock and roll. And you know, I heard on the news again yesterday that crime is down. Well, yeah, everybody's home. So the home invasions and burglaries aren't going on and everything's closed. So you can't really steal anything. But when we start to open up, there's going to be that other side that we'll be dealing with as well, along with all the other things that we have to deal with. You know, and as somebody who's in the, you know, helping people business, I, you know, my phone should be ringing off the hook and it's not yet. And I know people yeah. are out there and, and they should be. So, you know, I know you and I've talked a lot about how we can work closer with the county because if you're getting the phone calls and we can be a resource and, you know, I represent SOAP and a variety of other providers, we want to do that and we want to be a big part of it. So right, and we need to establish what that, you know, new temporary normal looks like. How can we deliver these services given the the pandemic that, that we're under here. 
And it, those services may need to look a little bit different for a while, but we got to quickly adapt. No, and I know, and I know I've got my fingers crossed, and I know you're going to bat next week for us. So I hope you can right. swing and get a home run, and everyone else is in support of it. And then, you know, I'll jump in and do whatever I can, roll up my sleeve. So, you know, our, our time's kind of running up. So, what I want to do is I want to ask you a question that, that I like to ask, and I don't know if I've actually ever asked you this, but if you had a magic wand right now in your hand, and that magic wand would allow you to do whatever you needed to do to meet the goals and your own passionate wants and needs and desires for our community, what would you do with that magic wand? Oh my gosh, that is a ginormous question, as you know, because I work with the most vulnerable among us. I know. And, you know, for me, it's not a a resource issue. It's, it's how do we, how do we uplift people? How do we move people from dependency to self-sufficiency? And I think sometimes when we go to uh, manage some of the, the most significant social challenges that we have, we, we just get to the surface level. We get to um, the symptoms that we're seeing. And, and my goal is really to get to the root causes of so much that's creating pain out in our communities. So if I could have my way and I could shift things, I would change the government's role. I would make the, the government be a catalyst to invest and uh, empower the many uh, nonprofit organizations among us that do brilliant work with people. And we have to change uh, the way we look at uh, compassion as a society and how we invest in human potential. So just small goals, you know, Scott, I just would love to change the role altogether of, of government and society and really help people instead of take care of people and manage people as liabilities. I want to treat them as assets that we can develop. You know, and that kind of attitude is uh, what I spoke about when I did my introduction with you, because the idea of boldly saying we need to change government and, you know, we need to intervene on our own, you know, issues, because if we don't, we're not going to create systemic change. And if you don't empower people, people always point, you know, to people like you, the, the gubernatorial leaders, legislative leaders and go, it's your fault because they have no ownership. They feel like they don't have ownership, so they don't have control, and they're not, they're not stakeholders, and they feel, and, and really there are ways for them to do that. So I, I look forward to our journey together and how we can support each other and things that you know, I know you're going to continue to do in your leadership role. So is there, is there and any information you'd like to give out for people that might be listening to this to contact your office if they had questions or they wanted to get more clarity on something you said? Uh, will you sure. want to share that information? As an elected leader, I have no privacy, I can assure you. So you can reach me at kristin.gaspar at sdcounty.ca.gov. So feel free to share my email address as well. The county's 211 number is the best place to call. It's the one-stop shop connection to all sorts of resources. You don't have to hesitate to call. You know, there's great people that manage that hotline. So anything you're in need of, please don't be afraid to ask for help. I'm really terrible at asking for help. So it feels a little hypocritical to even say that, but we're ready and willing and able to, to help people. And I am personally too. So if you're not comfortable reaching out to a hotline, please reach out to me and I'd I'd be happy to chat. Even if it's to vent, people have been calling me, crying with me, venting with me, and that's therapeutic too. So I just want people to know that I'm always here. Please don't assume I'm too busy. And that's, that's why I'm in the chair. That's what I've been elected to do. Well, that's great. So I'm going to sign us off and I'm going to throw it back to you, Michael. Then you're going to give it back to me because I actually have an inspirational thought for the day. Excellent. So the, again, this is Scott H. Silverman. 
This is uh, our happy hour. 619-993-2738. 619-993-2738. Please call, text, email, let us know. And if you can't get through the gas bar, because she's overwhelmed with trying to help people get through to me, I'll text one of her staff, and I promise you she's a 100%er. She gets back to everybody, everybody, no matter what the issue is. Even if you want to yell at them, I've seen them get on the phone. And if they, they're not happy with what you did to them, they'll, they'll refer them to me, and then you got to deal with me. And I'm happy to do that if I can be a resource as well. So, Michael, <laughs> what, do you, what do you have from your end? Well, I just want I just want to personally thank Kristen for coming on the show and taking the time and her out of her schedule. I know this is a weekend for you, and it's probably your, the only time you have for yourself. So I, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today, uh, this Saturday, and we really appreciate the the efforts that you put into what you do. Uh, Scott, go ahead and, and and see us out. Great, and, and Chris and I too want to thank you very much. And I, you know, I don't believe uh, you actually have time to yourself. So <laughs> I've seen the way your world works, and, and you've uh, you've been candid about it. So keep doing the, all the great things you're doing. And thanks again for your time today. As, as Michael says, it is a Saturday, and I'm sure there's some fun things you should get to. So today, what I want to do is I'm just going to share the Serenity Prayer. The Serenity Prayer is a prayer that came out of the 12-step program that's used in almost every single meeting around the world, and it's a simple one, and it's something I use all day long, every day when things are, you know, potentially not either going my way, or I just want to thank my higher power for getting me through another moment of the day. So here's the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.